check, 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 check. What's up, everybody? I'm Joe Longo. This is the Inspired Creativity Podcast. So, this might be the third time I'm recording this because when I was talking about all of the events that I have going on, I gave all of the wrong dates and all of the wrong information for all of the things. So, here I am again recording. There was no need for me to share that with you. I just thought it would be fun to share. You know, sometimes we walk around and we act like everything is perfect. We never make mistakes. And in reality, we all make mistakes. Nothing is perfect. And if we learn from those mistakes, from those imperfections, we can become better and learn. Like last night, I uh, did a test for a live on stream class starting in March. I'm going to be live streaming weekly energy classes, I'm calling them, that are going to support your path to ascension to not only help keep you grounded, but to help connect you to your higher self. And they're going to be $5 classes. They're going to be streamed online. So I was testing out some software to see how it would go and nothing worked. I'm so thankful for everyone that that logged on to help with the process, but not even a little bit of the test worked. We literally scrapped it. But because of that failure last night, I learned so much from the kind of software I really want to use to make this happen and the information that I need to give to everyone that's going to be part of these online classes. So everyone is fully prepared and ready to roll. So, you know, sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we fail. We make mistakes. Things don't work out the way that we want them to work out. And instead of rushing to, oh my God, that didn't work. What if we take a step back? What if we breathe? What if we connect to our breath and say, okay, that didn't work, but What can I take from that experience that will make the next one better? What can I take from that experience, from that failure that will make me better? So I messed up this intro 17 times, not really, a couple times. And it made me realize, Joe, you need to relax. You need to breathe and be focused and kind of have a little bit of an idea of what you want to talk about. I mean, I'd love just rolling with the flow of things, but sometimes, you know, when dates and times and locations are involved, I probably should be paying attention a little bit better. Maybe make a little bit of notes. So I, you know, so I hit those marks instead of recording, editing, putting everything together and then listening back to make sure everything is okay. Only to be like, dude, every date that you said for an event is completely wrong. So lesson learned. Enjoy your mistakes, my friends. Learn from them. That's how we learn. That's how we grow, right? If we're not failing, we're not growing. So get out there and fail. Get out there and fail hard and learn and improve and become a better version of yourself. So with that out of the way, this week on the podcast, I'm talking with my good friend and returning guest, Antonio Aragona, doctor of Ayurveda. 
And Antonio came over to my living room studio. We were sitting on the floor with Stella chatting about a book that I'm reading, The Sacred Flower of Life. And the conversation got so fun that I just hit record. So when we actually roll into the episode, it's me and Antonio, and we're in the middle of a conversation. We're actually talking about the sacred flower of life and all of that kind of stuff, just to give you a little heads up of what we're talking about. And then we actually do roll into the episode, and we talk about Ayurveda. Antonio shares some deep wisdom and knowledge with us. It's a really fun episode. Like I said, I'm super thankful to have Antonio back on the show. So here are the events that are coming up with the real dates and times and locations. On February 21st, Friday, from 6.30 to 8.30, I will be at Harmony Yoga in Blakesley, Pennsylvania, teaching a really fun energy-based class connecting the heart to the mind to our higher self. That's right, the little brain in our heart with the big brain in our head to our higher self. It's really fun. It's a lot of heart opening stuff. It's going to activate your superpowers. It's going to help you ascend and it's going to help you help everyone else in your life as well. It's super fun. That's Friday, February 21st, 630 to 830 p.m. at Harmony Yoga in Blakesley, Pennsylvania. On Saturday, February 22nd, I'm back in Philadelphia. I'm back at the Philadelphia Yoga Exchange and I'm doing a photo fun day. Over the years, I've done these group photo sessions, and they're an inexpensive way for people to get some kick-ass pictures. This year, I'm not going to be doing as many as I've done in the past. I'm probably only going to do one more if things happen, maybe two more, but really, there's not going to be a lot of these. So on Saturday, February 22nd, from 1 to 3 p.m., I'm going to do two hours. 10 people can come. The tickets are 50 bucks. You're going to get three killer images. We're going to shoot for two hours. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to create. We're going to make images to help you promote yourself, to promote your brand. If you need some headshots, if you're still using that headshot on LinkedIn from, you know, that wedding that you were at and you happen to crop your date out of because it was an okay photo, stop doing that because you're a professional and come get a headshot for 50 bucks. Or if you need some new yoga poses or fitness poses, come on out. It's a great day. There's going to be a lot of great people. And it's just super fun, super chill. We're going to shoot on this beautiful exposed brick wall at the Yoga Exchange. I'm going to also have a black backdrop set up for those fun studio style images. And that is on Saturday, February 22nd from 1 to 3 p.m. It's $50. You get three killer images. You can register for that on my photography website, jolongophotography.com. And like I said, there's not going to be a lot of these inexpensive group sessions happening this year. So if you want to come, you want to get some killer images, come on out, register. It'll be a lot of fun. In March, I am at Boundless Yoga in East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, teaching an intro to Kundalini and then a class. It's a lot of fun. It's three hours. There's a lot of good information. We talk about breathing and the format of a class and all of those kinds of fun things. That's at Boundless Yoga. And on March 20th, I am teaching a super fun class that I'm so excited about. It's called Building, sorry, Bridging the Gap to Ascension. And I'm teaching this class with my dear friend, Amy Spicer. And this is again, another class to help you ascend 
to connect to your higher self. I mean, we, we are evolving, my friends. We are. We are becoming more aware. Our superpowers are kicking in. You might be thinking right now, wow, that sounds crazy. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Wouldn't you like to activate your superpowers? Now's the perfect time. And that is Friday night, March 20th, Chantilly Yoga with myself and Amy Spicer. It's going to be a lot of fun. A whole bunch of events happening in April and May. I'm doing a couple speaking engagements in New York and Chicago that I'm super excited about. A lot of fun things happening. If you have a studio and you would like for me to come and teach a workshop, please reach out. I would love to come and share this with you and to help, again, really elevate people to their highest self, help people ascend and connect to their higher selves, and really help people wake up and realize that the guru is within, the teacher is within, and that teacher is our higher self. So with all of that, for like the 17th time around on this intro, I'm going to kick back and we're going to enjoy this episode with Antonio Aragona, Aragona, Doctor of Ayurveda. Enjoy. It's fun. It's silly. It's informative. It's insightful. And if there's anything that we talk about that you enjoy, please share this episode with your friends. And if I can ask a huge favor, head to the iTunes world and leave a review and a comment or a four-star, five-star rating. Do that on any of the apps that you listen to. It really helps get the podcast out in front of more people. And I'll really appreciate it. Now, enjoy this episode, enjoy the fun, enjoy the silliness, and I will be back talking with you this Sunday for Coffee Talk. Have a great week, my friends. That is doing the thing. It's what is it about us that's opening to the possibility of that showing us something. Like it's, like it's a subtle thing you know, understanding like, oh my God, I want to repeat that thing by going there because I felt so great there. It's like, what was it about me that allowed myself to feel great there? Mm. And how can I, how can I access that even if it's not there? Like, right, how can you that tap to that into that emotion, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that feeling, that sentiment, that sort of like frequency, that whatever, whatever is experience. It's like, how do I access that? Because I don't want to think now I'm limited to only having a good time when I go to a certain place. Right. See a certain person or eat the certain like why do I need that thing because mm-hmm. then it still perpetuates the separation thing right <laughs> I need that thing and it becomes a different kind of it's a spiritual addiction it's like like there's a there's a lot of spiritual addiction it's like I have to go to yoga class all the time I have to go to kirtans all the time I have to go see this person and this sacred person and this other sacred person and it's like and I remember when I was a newbie at the yoga center, I was like, I'm going to all the kirtans, you know? And it's like, and now I'm like, no, like, I don't, like, it was a clear, like, I don't need to. Like, if now it's like, oh, it's a kirtan, great, I'll go by. But if I don't go by, I didn't really miss anything. Right. Like, it's, and not that there's anything wrong with the kirtan, but I think, for me, I know. I feel I've come to a place of realizing that what I would be getting from going through those things is al- it's already inside of me. Mm-hmm. And I can sit on my cushion right there, <laughs> light my Jesus candles, <laughs> pull some oracle cards. Take Christian Doss in the background. <laughs> yeah. And just kind of be in that same space, connected, mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. feel like I'm connected to everything. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So it's, 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 it's been blowing my mind. And That's um, awesome. she <laughs> had, um, she was like, well, you do realize that we've, we've, we've like just traveled through space and time and we wrote that book. And that we're, we've been doing what we're doing because we've been doing this forever. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's why we're on this path. Mm-hmm. We just don't remember that we've been doing this for lifetimes over and over again, trying to, for lack of a better word, wake people up mm-hmm. to realizing that it's inside. <laughs> well, I had this conversation with someone that was you know, considered awakened and we were talking about stuff like this. And I said to her, <clears throat> you know, I was like, so what about when like, say randomly like oh like when we first met like a couple months ago again you were like you just happened to come up you were in the air and you, you just happened to come up and we were just like boo and it's like once i asked her about like other scenarios way before meeting you like what what is that like i was having a feeling about talking to someone and they called me or i got the text message or i bumped into you randomly at the cafe like what is all that is that premonition is that intuition is it psychic and she's like from that standpoint of like whatever that field of awakening is or whatever it's like when you're already in that oneness there's no surprise to have the reflection but it's not like there's a supernatural mystical ability it's like you know I guess in some level it's like a science it's like of course that's gonna happen right there's a oneness and in that oneness there is no separation you know, I mean, I'm still wrapping around. It's not like, oh, yeah, I got it. So whatever, you know, well, right. but so it's, it's like, oh, <laughs> the, so the idea of um, and I am by no means a physicist at all <laughs> or any kind of scientist, but in the quantum field mm-hmm. that in the quantum field, this hurts my brain <laughs> is everything and nothing. Mm-hmm. And when you have a thought, that thought will go into that space because you created it. Mm-hmm. And throughout history... Well, what if it came from that space? Hmm? What if it came from that space? It did. And it also goes back. <laughs> yeah. And it probably came to me because someone else put it in that space. <laughs> so again, from that book, and I heard this but what before. what if there's no one else? <laughs> what if there is no one else? Right, it's just me. Which is just God. <laughs> which is all of it. So, and again, that's why it still hurts my head to think it's everything and nothing all at the same time. Because I'm like, well, how could that be? <laughs> What? <laughs> so it's like all this is for nothing and all this is for something. Right. It's just... And it's how you choose to experience <laughs> it and then remember that experience. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to try to relive the experience if you already have it in you. Well, if you already are it, then there's no story to tell about it. Right. And that's how you like you're, I guess, more like you're absolutely in presence when you're in that moment of now, right? So there's no more stories about the now. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's sort of like when the mind goes into its craziness to start telling a story about the now. The now just passed, you just tell the story about it, but that moment no longer exists because it's fleeting. So if you're going into the story, then what part of consciousness, which, because that storyteller is still part of consciousness. Right. Let's just say that part of consciousness was like, we're going to put this kind of mechanism, we're going to call it the it. And it's going to be kind of crazy once in a while. It's going to tell stories. And somehow, some way, it's going to manifest in some person that we're going to call a person that's going to feel like this chatter is something. And it's going to block this other essence of, like, that's part of the illusion. Because when you're in the thoughts, you don't know that it's just a thought. When you're, like, on the other side of the thoughts, you're like, oh, I see that that thing wants to do that thought that it wants to tell a story. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's cool. Bye. <laughs> 
you know, but it becomes like a trip. It's like you're having an acid trip at that point because you're just like, where am I? Like, but that's when things start to break is when you start to, when you can start. I mean, that's what I liked about Buddhism when I was studying Buddhism, practicing Buddhism. It's designed to kind of go two ways from my, my experience with it. One way is you, you know, you embody the teachings and get really cerebral with it and you become really good at philosophy. Mm -hmm. Or it is the more embodied experience of it where you're actually really going through the heart of the experience of it. And it's not just like the cerebral part of it. And it's a flip. Mm -hmm. I went through the other avenues. I was like, I'm not getting into heart. I'm just not attached to anything. I'm fine. I don't feel anything. It's all, you know, but I realized like, oh, it was a disconnect. Mm -hmm. But in the heart of the Buddhism, it's like you understand that you have to go through the heart and that's the, that's where it opens. And yeah. so, but the, the, the studies of Buddhism is really meant to sort of like ask enough questions and um, confront enough of the mental thought processes that the mind unravels itself mm -hmm. and then it stops or yeah. you get to that place where you notice that it stopped. Right. So it's it, like, but it's the self, like the self reflection of you know, all of it going in mm -hmm. to because questioning your own thoughts and who's questioning the thoughts because the, the ego doesn't question itself. Right. <laughs> it distracts itself. Mm -hmm. It's like, yes, no, yes, no. And then the other part of us that knows more is like, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's a great story, but that's not true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you believe that, but it's not fact. <laughs> but it was a fun story. It was a fun story. <laughs> so um, throughout history, there have been inventions that happened at the same time on one Pyramids. part of the planet and another part of the planet. Mm -hmm. And the people didn't know it was happening. Mm -hmm. They just accessed that divine mm -hmm. information from the divine matrix mm -hmm. at the same time because it was time for that thing mm -hmm. to come into existence. Well, people were probably open to having that experience. And well, right, those two people. Mm -hmm. And we think like, oh, well, they're two separate people. But then, as we just said, really, they're not two separate people <laughs> because they're one. I just happen to be also in India right now. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. It might not be you, but it's you. So, everybody, this is the Inspired Hi. Creativity Podcast. Hi, Stella. <laughs> Stella is here, and so is Antonio. Can I get it right? Aragona. Oh, wait. Was this recording? Oh, shit, that? yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it was so good. I figured, why not just hit record? All right. Well, that's great. <laughs> So Antonio's back, doctor of Ayurveda, and um, literally I said, let's let's actually talk about Ayurveda tonight and not get off topic, and we just went on a little rant for, I don't know, a couple of minutes, um, almost 10 minutes of just, you know, consciousness and things, and now Stella's trying to curl up in Antonio's lap. Yes, you can stay here, it's fine. So, welcome back. Hi. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for uh, being a reoccurring guest on the show. Did, is there anything that you um, had? Do you, do you have any thoughts that you wanted to talk about before I have to share what I was thinking? And since we're just recording, this is what happens on my podcasts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking about the podcast and I was like, well, what, what am I going to talk about in reference to Ayurveda? Like, where do I start? Because it's a, it's a very vast system and there's a lot of levels to it. And in recent times with my current level of like academic exposure to Ayurveda, like I've had a much deeper exposure and relationship to Ayurveda than I've ever had before, significantly. And there's a lot of clarification that I'm getting 
around what Ayurveda actually is and what it isn't, more so. And so I was trying to figure out where do I go with it because I know this is supposed to be like a simplistic introduction maybe, I guess, to whoever's listening to see like what's Ayurveda, what's this word, what's Deepak Chopra talking about and uh, Dr. Oz and... Deepak oh, looks oh, so skinny these days. I know, he probably has anorexia or something, who knows. <laughs> I don't know, he probably had a parasite, I have no idea. We're not gonna use him as an example, but no. we're not gonna talk bad about him because he's no, a nice No, not person. at all, not at all. He's a nice person. Whatever he's doing, <laughs> he's he looks like he lost some weight, so good for mm-hmm. you, Deepak. Maybe you're hitting the gym. Weight. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. I'm not gonna say trying, I am. I was thinking, what may, I was gonna say winter, but winter's almost over. We're halfway through. Mm-hmm. So as we shift from winter to spring, mm-hmm. are there some Ayurvedic things that people can do to help that transition? Because, you know, as typically I, th- I think, as it happens to me, when we shift from season to season, I'll get a little <clears throat> oh, allergies. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe we go that route. A couple of simple things that might help the average Joe, if you will. Mm-hmm. Bring a little bit of Ayurveda practice to their home, <laughs> in, into my into my home, into my everyday life that might make me be a little healthier, a little more in tune with myself, a little mm-hmm. more present and aware. Mm-hmm. Okay, that we could start there. That's great. <laughs> that's that's simple. Um, I mean, really, like you know, simple for you. <laughs> well, it's simple in a sense of. You know, Ayurveda is a science of, it's the science of life. Ayurveda. I was almost about to say, it's the science of life. Yeah. I know that. So, Veda Thanks, is Amy. science, and Ayu <laughs> is about um, life, and so it's the science of life, or science of longevity gets referred to, but the key word is that it is a science. Um, it has been time-tested. It's thousands of years old. It's scientifically proven to work the way it was designed, which is really to support the health and well-being of the human being. That's where like Ayurveda came out through, you know, the, the ages with the understanding that it was meant to help human beings. And why is it meant to help human beings? Because <clears throat> it's not so much about supporting human being become, to become enlightened. That's a whole, that's the yogic philosophy, which is great. And it's a yogic science, it's part of yogic science, it's considered enlightenment as a possibility of being human. And Ayurveda is more about understanding, like, while I'm in this human body, which inhabits, you know, the seat of consciousness, um, which is actually really beautiful. One of the synonyms for consciousness in Ayurveda is called Chetana. And it's like, and Chetana lives in the heart. Mm. The seed, seed of consciousness lives in the heart. And it's part of the conglomeration of the elements that gives this form. And so knowing that there is this sort of relationship with... Um, the macrocosm, microcosm, understanding like, well, I'm a human being and I'm living on a planet that happens to have seasons and cycles and, you know, rising of the sun and setting of the sun and the moon and the atmosphere and what that's doing. And then I'm part of this sort of entity that's living, breathing and being that Ayurveda was designed to help the person sort of stay in alignment with that so that in doing so, um, we can live and enjoy the life. And there are basically four goals as part of Ayurveda within this. And I know it's not completely answering your question. No, 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 no. But so, you know, to be human, to be experiencing the four main goals, they're called purushartas, which is like the four goals of of living, basically, or being alive, is dharma, which is what's my purpose? Like, where's my heart sing in life? 
with what I do for work and how do I interact with life and what's the thing that makes me wake up every day and look forward to the day and end the day with and keep moving forward every day. Then there's Artha, which is sort of the material possessions as a result of like, if I'm working, I'm getting this, 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 and I'm really, you know, experiencing the byproduct of what I'm doing for love and passion in life. I'm going to start gathering some things. I might buy a house, I might buy a car, I might get a dog, like things that, you know, buy this for someone or just enjoy this or go here or travel. And then goes into the next level naturally, which is um, Kama, which is enjoyment. So now I get to enjoy, like I'm living life and I'm enjoying it. And in doing so, like you're feeling this fluidity with your connection within and as part of life that brings you to moksha. Now in yoga, moksha is liberation and it's usually translated as like that enlightenment piece. Ayurveda is a little bit more grounded in that and I think from really looking at moksha, it's not about so much like shooting for enlightenment. It's sort of about, or more likely about, I'm living this life to the fullest expression and there's a fluidity to that that I can enjoy the days and just kind of go with when there's a hurricane out, I'm still alive. When there's a snowstorm, I'm still alive. When it's a sunny day with rainbows, I'm still alive. And I am feeling the fluidity of the day and my experience with the day. So isn't that freeing? Moksha means freedom, right? It's freedom from. So I'm free from like those things that cause um, the opposite, which is pain, discomfort, disease. Pain is part of life. But disease prevention and sort of disease um, management, if anything, if we're at that level, is part of the scope of Ayurveda to sort of help with navigating through so that we can still achieve the goals of just being in our purpose and enjoying gathering things and kind of feeling fluid. So that's that's sort of like the essence of like the primary understanding of Ayurveda and what it does, mm-hmm. what it's here for. And then in understanding our relationship to nature, it's following the cycles of the seasons and following the rise and fall of the day. You know, a lot of current scientific studies have been done showing how people go to nature and when they do, they get reset in their whole circadian rhythm and their digestion gets better. People go away on vacation, they can eat better. Like why, what is this, what's influencing this? And in Ayurveda, we look at what's causing us suffering, which is usually disease, mm-hmm. right? Because that reduces the chances of like how we can enjoy life if I'm ailing, <laughs> right? So bringing it to simply understanding like it's this time of year, what do we do? We just notice what's happening in nature, right? Things are a little chaotic right now with the climate. Right. Right. So you'll have 60 degrees one day and 40 degrees another day. Just the other day, I saw a woman coming. I think she was coming back. I don't know where she was coming back from. Maybe a yoga class. She was wearing shorts and a t-shirt on that 60 degree day in the middle or beginning of February. And it was 40 the day before and 40 the day after. And I'm like, I should have given her my card. Because <laughs> she's going to be sick in three days. Mm-hmm. Because of understanding that if there is a general pattern to a season and its inherent climate, you know, within a certain location, geographic location, and there is a sort of, in, there's a level of extreme um, uh, weather changes, as has been lately. I think this is the first year with the most erratic weather pattern that we've had in a few years from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so extreme. Yeah. That we've barely met the milestone of like, is it really winter or is it spring now? 
And so these are the things that we have to look at as part of nature telling us like something's out of alignment because February was usually when it was starting to snow and it would just stay steadily snowing till March. And now we haven't really even seen snow. And then we might get that one week in April that is a tremendous snowstorm. Right. It is a blizzard. I was like, it's three months out of, you know, line. Mm-hmm. You know, so matching yourself and your body to the weather and noticing a cause and effect relationship. If I'm feeling mucousy, if I'm feeling heavy, if I'm feeling lethargic and tired and it happen, happens to be a cloudy day outside, that cloudy day is going to impose itself because I'm part of nature and I'm going to feel that more so if I'm already having that in my system. And so that's going to increase that tendency. So then I'm going to think, well, if I'm kind of feeling lethargic and tired and sort of mucousy and heavy, and it's heavy a day, a heavy kind of day, then I'm probably going to make some food that's going to be the opposite in qualities to sort of remediate that. And I'm going to probably make a mental effort to maybe do some physical work at home to like exercise or do some yoga or, you know, go to the gym or something, just get the blood moving. Cause otherwise if I'm already feeling heavy and mucousy and I eat heavy mucousy foods and I'm sitting on the couch all day, I'm only going to get more of that. So no milkshakes those days. <laughs> no milkshakes those days. No cheesecakes <laughs> those days. No pizza those days. No ice cream cake those days. Like a nice soup, a nice soup that has like ginger in it or has some sort of like cayenne in it or depending on your, your, your physical makeup. And, you know, so even if you don't know what your constitution is, you get to understand like, what's the thing that gives me more discomfort? Like, how do I have a relationship with my environment? And part of the environment is what is including food because the food does no body. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I'm not right. putting the right food in, it's not even just about the right food. It's about the quantity of the food because it could be like low quality food, but if it's low volume, you can still process it better. But if it's high quality, I mean, if it's high volume and still low quality, you can't process that food. And it's understanding that there's like a lot of subtle, subtle dynamics that mm. um, have to or force people to look at themselves and people don't want to. People want someone telling them what to do, what to eat, how to eat. Here's this app. Let's measure the calories. Did you get you this and that and the other thing? And that becomes like a more of a neurotic system mm-hmm. in some ways versus like, wow, like what do I feel like today? Oh, I feel heavy because I ate that ice cream last night or milkshake last night. Well, then maybe today I'm going to just know I should eat a little lighter and maybe wait till my next meal comes that I start to feel hungry again. Because if I'm missing that hunger cue and I'm just eating because I'm supposed to, but not because I'm really needing to, now I'm causing another issue in my body. So this is a little off topic, but it Mm. popped into my head. What is the Ayurvedic take on the whole fasting concept that is, has become such the popular thing these days? So in Ayurveda, there's an understanding that everything can be considered medicine and as equally as it can be whatever the thing is, can be considered medicine. It can be considered a poison no matter what it is. Yes. So doesn't matter what it is. The bigger question is for who, when, how, and why, because there is no one size fits all And Ayurveda, true classical Ayurveda will always say there is no one size fits all. Mm-hmm. It's impossible because there is, we're not all, the same. And we are in a deep level of 
being. Which we're sure. all one, but physically. We all have physical experiences in this world, and that relationship is going to be our relationship and our version of that. You know, you have a lot of different cars, and each car is slightly different. It's still a car, so it gets you somewhere. It still takes gas and oil, and some have better filters, and some have power windows, and some... But the essence of it is still the same, but everything else, all the subtle nuances are slightly different. Mm -hmm. And so understanding that fasting is another thing, that there's no one size fits all. There's an understanding of like who's doing it, when are they doing it, why are they doing it? Um, and putting the right things in place to let that be the case if that's what's true. It's not always true. And, and people shouldn't always be fasting. Like it really depends on a lot of different things. And one of the answers in Ayurveda is usually the first answer is it depends. Mm -hmm. Why does it depend? Because it depends on the person, depends on their constitution, depends on the climate, depends on the time of day, depends on the time of year, depends on where they're at in their age in life. Like so many factors come in, so to put a blanket of everyone should do this detox. No, I've worked with so many people that have gone on those blanketed detox retreat journeys and they come back and they're feeling great for like a couple of weeks and then two months later, they're so ailed by it. Because half of them don't maintain. Mm -hmm. The other ones did it in the wrong time was there are times of year you should be fasting. There's natural like junctions in between, like transitioning from season to season that we should start getting ready for the next season. That means we start letting go what was already relevant in that season. Same thing with the day, fasting shouldn't be that complicated, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> there are natural fasting points throughout the day. We wake up and if you're feeling this sense of hunger, then you have like a little light meal or a light snack and some tea or something. And then between then and lunch, there's already a gap. So your body is able to metabolize and break down what it needs to keep the energy moving. And then we have that lunch and hopefully it's a nice healthy lunch for the person. And then there's another gap until dinner time. <laughs> That's a natural fasting period because you're forcing the body to go into its own like conversion process. And then after dinner, you have that long period of fasting from like dinner till breakfast, which is why when you go to the Western doctor and they say, make sure your labs are going to, well, your labs are going to be this, this, and this. You can do fasting labs today. That means no, your last meal is at eight o'clock last night. People freak out. It's, it's a natural, and that's the funny thing. It's like, if you don't think about like, oh yeah, I just had dinner last night at eight o'clock and it's now like eight o'clock in the morning, poop, fine. But as soon as someone says you can't do this thing, it's like, oh my God, what are we going to do at 10 o'clock if I need that snack? Mm -hmm. And it's like, why did the mind get challenged? <laughs> right. It's a mental glitch, <laughs> right? But there's a natural fasting from dinner till the next morning. And so if you already have three naturally built in periods of the day that promote fasting, then why do we have to go to such extremes if we're really living in harmony with nature to go to these extremes of like, how do I detox and how do I fast and how do I do this and how do I do that? Like if you start following the day and you start following your digestive system, you start following your nervous system, it's going to start telling you, at least once you've gotten to a place of balance, you get to notice the difference in like, yeah, I should not have eaten that midday snack mm -hmm. before lunch. And now my lunch time is, I'm not that hungry, you know, which throws off. Now it starts to throw things off, mm -hmm. you know. And then this time of year, it's like we've stored up a lot of nuts like the squirrels do, theoretically, mm -hmm. right? And then by this time of year, 
maybe in like a couple more weeks, they're like, oh, we don't have much, that many nuts left over from fall harvest. So now I'm gonna start scavenging and see what I can find as a residue. But I've stored up enough fat tissue in my body that now that as I start going through the spring months, I can start breaking down naturally because not all the things are available. But with modern technology, you can go to the supermarket and get that mango that's from Mexico that only grows that time of year now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, it's a miss, it's a miss use of proper intelligence. It's, it's like really not using your, your intelligence correctly by saying like, I'm just going to eat whatever I want year round. It doesn't matter. Well, how does that feel? What's your body telling you? You know, eating can't, eating becomes complicated when you have more complications in health. Mm -hmm. And when you have less complications in health, eating becomes easier. You can start gauging through your body, like what feels right. And it's not, we shouldn't be stressing about food so much, but we do. We're calorie counting, we're re removing, you know, we have the uh, fat-free diet, the gluten-free diet, we have the meat-free diet, we have dairy, we have like, like all these things are like carb-free diets and protein-free diets and it's like, it shouldn't be that stressful. <laughs> right, which sounds like hearing everything you, you said makes me feel a little like it makes sense and we should be in tune with nature, <clears throat> which also sounds simple. <laughs> but then it's like, oh, well, wait, what? What shouldn't I be having? What should I be having? But then when you look at the way we really are most mm -hmm. humans in America, <laughs> it's like I got a calorie count because I just went to Wawa and I got a 24 ounce <laughs> coffee and a muffin that has 12,000 calories in it. You know, and it's like, now what do I do? Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's nothing real in that muffin. It tastes so good, but there's nothing real in it. <laughs> and it's just these empty calories. And then you're like, well, it didn't do it. Like it, it gave me the, like the dopamine rush of having all of the sugar, you know, like I got high from that muffin, mm -hmm. but I'm not sustained. Mm -hmm. It's not like it was some kind of like magical thing. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what then throws everyone off because then they're like, especially around this time, you're like, spring is going to be here soon. Mm -hmm. And holy cow, my belly, I need to get rid of that. Yeah. And then we panic. Like, well, okay, I'm going like, to cut I'm... this, I'm going to cut that. And Bob says I should fast. <laughs> so I'm going to fast. <laughs> well, and there's a way of doing it. It's a way of understanding. Like it's really, it's about understanding. It's really about being smart about nature itself. I know mm -hmm. it's seen like, you know, like, what's growing this time of year what's available to me right now you know and is this normal 100 years ago you know like those people didn't die right so how did they sustain and it's really connecting to knowing what your metabolism's like and it's it's really sort of like layered because first is the aspect of knowing what your metabolism's like so if i'm working at a job where i'm just sitting most of the day but I'm still eating three large meals a day. And maybe breakfast is the biggest meal a day because I'm told by the FDA I'm supposed to have breakfast is the biggest meal of the day, which is not really correct either. Um, as a general principle, why am I gonna put that much food into my body when I'm not really physically engaging it, right? So there's this sort of concept of like input output, mm -hmm. right? If my output is like, I'm physically active and I'm dynamic throughout the whole day and vigorous practices and my, I'm on the go a lot and I'm really busy and I'm manually involved with things, then I'm gonna need to match that, and that sort of aspect of my world 
with the right nutrition to support that. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> otherwise, if the food is lacking and you're hyperactive, then the body's gonna go, well, I don't have enough fat or protein from whatever you ate because you ate that power bar and that smoothie at lunch, but I need more than that and nothing's gonna happen until nine o'clock tonight. I'm gonna start using my own tissue. The body becomes auto, because it wants to be in homeostasis as much as possible. Mm -hmm. It's gonna use its own resources internally. So first the body's like, well, you know, I'm gonna need to burn that excess fat that I stored from that muffin last night. (laughs) Because it's still gonna get stored. It's not really not for nothing. Right. (laughs) Like it's still gonna be stored somewhere, you know. And in those natural periods of fasting, the body's gonna go into its metabolic process and start converting that. And then after that, it should be sustained enough till the next menu, right? And so if you're getting the body into that kind of um, momentum, then it's like, oh yeah, oh, today's a low key day. So then I'm gonna eat a little bit less because I'm not having that same need for that output energy. So I'm gonna match that, like you match that every day and then you're able to sustain. Like those are just simple principles to consider, Mm -hmm. like who am I? And if I need to fast, then why am I fasting? That means I must have been hoarding up too much and not exercising enough, not physically active enough. And there's an imbalance in the actual balance scale of like input output. And then nature is like, yeah, well, then we're going to start lightening up because the sun is starting to increase, right, since the 21st. And so that's going to start thawing things out and sort of liquefying some things and getting the circulation moving again. Sort of like when we wake up in the morning, it's like, oh, I'm going to start getting the momentum. And following that along through the season is helpful because nature kind of is already giving you what it needs you to take Mm -hmm. as part of the medicine. That's the food. And, you know, but if you're like, oh, I don't have time for all that, it's because we don't make time. And then what happens is that we get forced to make time when there's a condition that says, now I need your attention. Are you hearing me now? Because mm-hmm. the body will accrue things over time. The body is a historical system and it requires consistency for health. And if I'm not consistent with my meeting plan and I'm not consistent with my sleeping plan and I'm not consistent with my exercise plan. And then when I'm eating, I'm just sort of like, oh yeah, I didn't eat all day. So I'm gonna eat three meals in one meal to make up for that and go to bed. That's incorrect. That's improper intelligence for the body. The body is like, I'm ready for bed. And now you're trying to fill me up from what you missed all day. And I can't process it the same way as I could during the daytime. Because, you know, we, we get this momentum to start the day. We get the blood moving finally. And then we're just going through the day. And we're like, yeah, this is great. And then at the end of the day, we start winding down. So if I'm already winding down and those chemicals that are designed for me to go to bed soon are overrided by like, I'm going to just shove this food in my mouth and stay up till 11 o'clock at night. And then you're causing an, a, a disconnect. It's discordance. Mm-hmm. And that's how like diseases start to form because that becomes like a patternistic program that we fall into. It's like, oh, I have no time to eat all day. I'm just going to wait till I get home really late tonight and eat before bed. No, the body's like, that's not how I work. Yeah, my body yells at me when I do that anymore. <laughs> it does. Like, I, if they're like, because they're t- like today, today wasn't bad, but I, you know, had a, a friend that I was helping with a website and then I had a photo shoot hmm. and then I had to run out and run some errands and then I was like, and then I'll eat. But my photo shoot started at 12. So mm-hmm. it was from 12 to 2. Mm-hmm. And my other friend that I was helping with her website, she was here. 
until 11. Mm-hmm. So there was like this little window and I, obviously I was not hungry. I just, I wasn't hungry at 11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I did all the things and then at two o'clock when I got back, I'm like, I need to eat. Cause if I wait longer, my body is gonna get angry. Then when I do eat, my belly is gonna like, almost like go, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, why'd you put all of this in me now? Mm-hmm. Because I've wanted it before and now I'm mad at you. <laughs> Well, now I'm ready. Not ready for it anymore. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, but I'm still like, oh, I'm hungry. Um, so I've I've tried to pay attention to to that when I'm like, okay, now I missed that lunch when I should have had lunch. Mm-hmm. I need to be more aware of what I'm eating than when I actually do eat, so my belly doesn't punch me in the face. Yeah, because <laughs> it catches up. Like the thing is, like, it, there's a workshop that I want to teach at some point. And it's going to be titled, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah. <laughs> I like playing on words. So it's because the literally the body knows what it did like a month ago and two months ago. So if you're getting something today, like as a symptom, it's most likely more often because of something that was historically within the recent times. Mm-hmm. That could be anywhere within the year. Because seasonally, we're also doing certain things in the... The body is changing according to the season. It's sort of evolving through the season. So you might eat that aggravating thing in a certain season that it's okay, but then you get into the season that it's going to provoke it in. Then it's going to explode, and you're like, what happened? I was eating healthy for the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I'm playing catch-up, because your body's playing catch-up. And that's why it's important to sort of like go through your days, go through the season, and kind of monitor through your body, like, what do I feel like today? What does it feel like in relationship to the weather and to my state of mind and the quality of the food and the quantity of the food and how does it match my lifestyle? It's, it's a lot of different factors that people don't want to consider because they're not taught that. They're, it's, just, it's kind of lost. Mm-hmm. It's like a lost practice, basically. Right. It's like, make sure breakfast is the heavy meal and brush your teeth a couple times a day and that's it. And it's like, no. And it's hard to individualize like everyone in school, like public school, like, okay, you should not eat this and you should eat this at lunchtime. Like you just eat what's there. It's sort of like we're herded like mm-hmm. cows just yeah, pulling yeah. through. And you know, but if you have conscious parents, they're like, here's a snack, take this to school with you. Or if you go to school, mom will talk to the dietitian or cafeteria. You're funny, a dietitian in the cafeteria. (laughs) They're like, no, my son can't have gluten stuff, like, and give a list to whoever. Like, Mm -hmm. there are those modifications, and um, then you just do the best that you can. And then genetics also plays a role. Right. Right. So, so, I mean, Ayurveda looks at all these things and really individualizes a person's um, interaction and approach to themselves. When people come see any of us Ayurvedic professionals, it's like a reprogram. Mm-hmm. And it's like a, it's like a reformatting and there is change. that's going to happen. Sometimes it's radical. Sometimes it's not. Um, sometimes it's just subtle. Sometimes it's just like, let's just make a couple of adjustments to like what you're doing already. Cause it's not too bad. And then that little subtle adjustment goes a long way mm-hmm. and can prevent a lot of different things. Like it's, it's that amazing. And then there's a lot of complexity to Ayurveda because it is a system of medicine. It's, and in, in India, it's a primary healthcare system and you know you go through formal medical training in the u.s it's a whole different it's a whole different beast in the u.s for a lot of different reasons Mm -hmm. and there are lots of different categories of ayurveda not just 
when someone thinks of Ayurveda, like, what does it mean? There's actually several layers of Ayurveda. There's the New Age Ayurveda, there's the Classical Ayurveda, there's the Modern Ayurveda. And it's when someone thinks about Ayurveda, it's like, well, what part of Ayurveda are you talking about? Which is actually what I was thinking when we were, I was coming in here. I'm like, everybody going to talk about New Age Ayurveda? Because that's what I'm more trained under. And currently learning Classical Ayurveda, and it's how it's just really beyond profound. Mm-hmm. You know, or do I just talk about the general concept of Ayurveda? <laughs> like, there's so many angles but, to go into it with. Right, right. But ultimately, it's as opposed to our medical and healthcare system, it's a system to keep you healthy, not mm-hmm. to treat your symptoms or yeah. to be like, oh, right, doc, I'm not like, I have this, and then we, we treat that. Ayurveda is to keep you healthy, Mm -hmm. filled with energy so you can live that full, fulfilled life and enjoy being in the present moment, not Mm -hmm. be like, oh, ah, everything hurts. Yeah. It's to keep that from happening. Yeah. Yep. And to stay in tune. So that you can enjoy life and work your passion and just experience a fluidity fluidity through your health and your vitality. Mm -hmm. I mean, because if you're feeling health and and vital, isn't that enough freedom? Like, if you're feeling good... You can be invincible. You can work any job that you feel like your heart wants to do, and you can go wherever you want to go. Like, but if you're having certain impediments, then now you've narrowed your your capacity to interact with the world. If you're interacting with the world in that way, mm-hmm. so Ayurveda is meant to, you know, maintain the health of the healthy and help manage the sick. Right. I feel. Maybe, I'm guessing, that here in our land of the free, it's probably more managing the sick for a lot of people because we're just in this society. Mm-hmm. I may have said this the last time you were on, um, my friend Pradeep, um, wonderful um, Indian man that teaches yoga all over the world now. Mm-hmm. One day we were talking and I had said something about healthcare. Mm-hmm. And losing my health insurance. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he calls me Joey Longo, all one word. Joey Longo. <laughs> Joey Longo, let me ask you this. Um, what do you have? Why do you have the health insurance? I'm like, in case anything happens. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh. I'm like, you don't have health insurance? He was like, I go to the grocery store. <laughs> my food is my health insurance. Mm-hmm. And I eat the right. And I'm like, and he was just so, like, there were no, mm-hmm. like, no. I just do what I need to do to make, to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. So I know I don't have to worry about anything. Mm-hmm. And honestly, there's never been a time we've, and it was funny cause it's like, you know, when you realize, you know, someone for a decade, mm-hmm. you're like, wow, it's been 10 years. Mm-hmm. So the, literally this year it's, it's 10 years that Pradeep and I have been friends. And I sent him a picture. I'm like, dude, 10 years. And in those 10 years, mm-hmm. never once have I ever talked to him where he's like had a cold, mm-hmm. sniffles, mm-hmm. said, I don't feel good. I feel never, mm-hmm. ever, ever, ever in a decade have I seen or heard him even say that he may have been mm-hmm. feeling <laughs> sick-ish. Mm-hmm. And it's just like proof right there. Like if you follow it, mm-hmm. you're going to be. Pretty good. Yeah. I mean, and it's true because if you're, <clears throat> there are three pillars of, of, of like life or vitality or health and it's diet, sleep, and you know, the other categories like sex. And we're not saying like 
have sex that in that regard, but I like, forget the word because we just talked about it in life coaching um, class a couple weeks ago oh, it'll come to me but a word instead of sex but it was like that yeah creative force or whatever well, yeah but just like enjoying mm-hmm. life yeah 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 <laughs> it'll probably pop into my head and, that word and so like if you're managing the three pillars you know you can maybe do without you know like it's like three pillars so it's like three a tripod mm-hmm. and so you can remove one leg you can still balance on the other two but if you remove the other one then you fall over and so the thing is like managing diet and sleep is probably the the most important aspects of the three for sure because sleep affects diet and diet affects sleep mm-hmm. and if you're not getting the best quality sleep and the best quality diet then already you're kind of spiraling downhill with with health and if you're able to manage that then it doesn't matter what other people have because essentially you can maintain your own immune system sort of like a force field mm-hmm. so that even when other people are sick you don't get sick like i have a lot of patients that come to see me and there's lots of them are sick especially this time of year and they're like how come you're not sick i'm like because i choose not to be like and if i get sick it's because i've done something to compromise my system which is either i'm staying up too late or i'm sleeping in too much or i'm not eating right and i'm missing meals and i'm doing all these things to mismanage all that and depleting myself and so if I do, then that's going to make me more susceptible to what already is around me. But if I'm maintaining it, then my immune system's strong and then it's impenetrable. Mm-hmm. And so, so if I ever do get sick, it doesn't even last that long. <laughs> right. Because I know exactly how to like address it in that moment and kind of resolve it quickly because... I don't want a cold to last like nine, 10 days. No, it's horrible. <laughs> this last cold that I just got, I felt it coming. And I'm like, I need to do the, like I, you know, like you feel it. I'm like, I need to do all the things. You're like, I don't so feel like it. This doesn't happen. And I had like workshops literally every weekend. I'm like, I cannot, I cannot mm. get sick. <laughs> and so the one whole week leading up to this one workshop in, in Jersey, I'm like, okay, I'm not getting sick. I'm not going to get sick. I'm going to do all the things. I'm going to do everything. And I'm going to eat the it. honey. I'm going to netty. I'm going to do everything. I eat all of the garlic. And went to the workshop. Everything was great. As soon as I got in my car mm. after the workshop, my voice stopped. Mm-hmm. It just, it was like, okay, you made it. You did it. You saw it. Now you just go home and go to bed because I got you now. And it did. It just yeah. knocked me out. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, thank God that it, you know, I at least made it through the workshop. But I could, I literally got in my car. I called a friend. And I'm like, my voice, my, my, vo- my voice is caught. Yeah. And maybe you could have brought like some certain teas knowing that if that's your tendency, then you, like this is part of the preventative care of Ayurveda. It's like, what, what are my tendencies? What am I prone towards? Where are the spots that I consider for myself to be those places that are going to have something if I'm going to get something. Right. Right. And I didn't even think like, oh, I should take some tea with me or yeah. anything. Like, yeah. I have some water. You will now. I'll be, <laughs> right. I'll be okay. Nothing like, all oh, right, you're going to talk for two and a half hours straight pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I brought my tea here for an hour. <laughs> and I, I made my tea, but I didn't think to take any tea. But these are the little things because the thing is, it's not usually when we get hit with the biggest thing in that moment that over a sudden I just happen to get sick. Mm-hmm. It's just the little things that happened along the way. So maybe the week before 
you might have had like a little dry tickle in the back of your throat. If that's where it goes to you, some people get it like in their ears. They're like, oh, my mm -hmm. ear feels really itchy deep inside. And then a week later, they have a cold. Like you get to know the subtle nuances of your own body and that's going to dictate for you how you navigate. Right. So at any point I'm like, oh, is my, not, my nose a little dry? Oh yeah, I'm going to put some medicated oil on my nose and that takes care of that. And then if I'm feeling like my ears are a little dry, it might be like itchy, then I'm going to put a drop of oil in my ear. And if I'm feeling my throat's dry, then I'm going to make certain teas that is going to support that. And I'm going to adjust my diet a little bit more because I'm going to question why is the tissue in my throat area dry? It's not just superficial. Um, it must be something deeper. And so I'm going to address it with the food to deliver the information to that tissue from the inside because that's where it all goes anyway. Mm -hmm. And then topically, I might put some ointment or something to support it because, of course, you know, or a lozenger to kind of coat it a little bit while everything else works inside to get up there fast enough so mm -hmm. that I'm able to talk and not lose my voice. Right. get a cold that way. And, you know, the 60 degree day the other day when that woman was wearing shorts and a t-shirt, I had my sweatshirt on and I was still protecting my neck because the quality of air is different now than it would be for 60 degrees in April or May or June. I know these things already. So I'm adjusting every single day. So even though I know this is going to be like spring soon, I'm already adjusting per day in spite of the bigger umbrella what I know the season's supposed to be because mm -hmm. we know that the weather is changing for a lot of different reasons. So I'm accounting for that every single day and I measure the atmosphere and my, and my relationship to it. What do I need to do today? Do I wear a scarf today? So I didn't wear a scarf on a 60 degree day, but I had my hoodie up mm -hmm. and then it's 40 degrees today. So I put the scarf back on. And so you're regulating per day knowing like, Okay, how do I take care of myself with what's given to me? What do I know today? What's true? What's present? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we started the conversation talking about what's now. Right. Well, what's now? I know it's February 6th, but I woke up and it was cold and drizzly. So I'm gonna... But still not even as cold as it should be. I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, there's no snow anywhere. <laughs> we usually have snow by now. Like At least the first yeah, little something. You know, so it's just sort of understanding that from the angle of Ayurveda and looking at life from the bigger picture and the smaller picture and our relationship to it every day and being present the, the medicine's really right in front of us more often than not i mean obviously if there are health complications and it requires stronger medicine mm -hmm. that's the thing and if we can prevent getting to that place where we need stronger medicine and now we get our regular day-to-day -day with simple practices like eating and sleeping and pooping and peeing and sweating and like cultivating sexual energy by being creative and whatever we're doing with all that stuff, then why wouldn't we have more fluidity to our health and enjoyment of life? Mm -hmm. We don't have to really fully suffer. Right. You know, so it's like the choices that we make and, you know, we allow ourselves to be dictated by the senses. Right. So it's like, Oh yeah, I kind of have a cold, but that pizza looks good. My body's right. like, no, no, no. But your eyes are like, yes. And your mouth is like, well, I know the pizza's not going to taste the same. But I think it's going to because I know how it always tastes when I'm feeling better. So I'm going to eat that pizza and then tomorrow I feel more congested. Yeah. And then you're going to blame, like, why am I sick? This is such an inconvenience. It's like, why did I make that choice? Well, right, <laughs> well, this pizza. How do you say no to pizza? <laughs> I should have said, I'll have soup today so that I can have the pizza tomorrow. Like, right. And then I can wait one more day. But we want what we want right now. And that's the object of uncontrolled senses is that whatever we see, hear, smell, taste, and you know, we want, we want to experience that. That's how like spirit or consciousness in us is experiencing the world through us. Mm -hmm. But if it's untamed, 
then it's like it's going to wreak havoc and the body's going to suffer because it's the medium to experience the world. <laughs> right, right. It, it's, I mean, we're silly humans. And even when I was, so when I was leading up to that week before teaching, like I said, I was doing all the things. And I had some tea tree oil and I had some eucalyptus and I would make a pot of hot water and put it in and like make a whole little steam for my head. And it was awesome. It yeah. felt so good. You should have done that before your talk. You would have gotten a cough and cold. And well, cold. right. But and even when I was like doing it, thinking I should do this every day. I'm sure it was great for my skin. <laughs> Well, not, not every day. Well, right. You know what I mean? But Regularly it was just like during the this season, nice, you yeah. know, little steam. <laughs> like, this feels so good. Why don't I, like, why don't I do it? I remember mm. one day in um, Garland of Letters, many, many, <laughs> many years ago, I was standing there looking at all the books and Dr. Pratop just happened mm -hmm. to be there. Mm -hmm. And he walked by. Like he like did one of, like a little, I'm moving my hand back and forth. Like he walked behind me and then like just a couple times, didn't know what mm -hmm. he was doing. And then he walked over to me and he gave me a book on neti pot mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he gave it to me. He's like, this is my gift for you. <laughs> you need this. You need, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Oh, I need it. How, how do you know? All you did was, was it but my ass that big? Did it be able to make ass? But I was so blown away. Like he was, he was like, this is my gift for you. Take this, read it. Mm -hmm. Netty, netty mm -hmm. every day. Netty. Mm -hmm. And I'm like. I mean, don't netty every day. But. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm exaggerating. But, but yeah. All the information was in the book. And I'm like, oh my goodness. But it was just so, because I had seen him in the, you know, couple times you know every once in a while he, like he floats around yeah and i was never like we hung out or talked i was just a random customer mm -hmm. and for some reason i was there was some kind of energy coming off of me that he picked up on i like, heard you sniffling or something how do you think i was sniffling he was like here take the gift for you take it read it you well, it's, it's, i mean when you cultivate your senses you pick up more x I mean, you develop sort of extra sensory. Oh yeah, you're your superpowers. So it's like, you know, a client can come in and just say hi, and all of a sudden I'm like, how long have we had that post-nasal drip? It sounds a little bit inflamed. And they're like, I didn't even say anything. I'm like, you just said hi. And I just picked up this whole paragraph. And they're like, oh my God. And it's because besides having big ears, <laughs> As a satellite, I could pick up things that are like, oh wait, what's that? That's a little off, what's that? And you know, or I'll see something, even though I wear glasses, I'm like, uh, that's a little off. What's that? That wasn't on your skin before. Or it's raised a little bit more. Like you just notice things more. You pick mm -hmm. up things more. So maybe you picked up from that. Well, place. I picked something up. But you know, so with Ayurveda, it's like we look at all these things and we start, you know, it's sort of like we're like detectives that so we start to figure out when someone does come in with something significant, what pieces are not in place for that person. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a misunderstanding of Ayurveda is that. It's, you know, some people think like, oh, it's just based out of India. It's, it was rooted and its birthplace was in India, but it's not limited to India because any pr practical rooted scientific principle that's a universal principle is universal. So the principles that were developed in, with the understanding as a science, the body of science in Ayurveda, in India, these principles apply across the planet because it's meant for 
human beings all across the planet. Mm -hmm. It's just taking those basic principles and seeing how they apply to different areas of the world, which some of that's gotten lost in the translation through the New Age Ayurveda, because the New Age is more about the woo-woo aspect, the more like, let's look at your chakras and we're going to balance you with this kind of herb and in, in that chakra region, and it's not in the classical text of Ayurveda as a medical science by itself. It's, mm -hmm. Ayurveda as a medical science stands alone from all the other Vedic sciences. And you master it first, and then you start looking at the other Vedic sciences because you, the more you know, then you can start applying it properly. But even if you didn't, Ayurvedic medicine can stand on its own to help mm -hmm. with the human being in their suffering or preventing the suffering. So. It's a very vast process, and that's why you spend thousands of hours and many, many, many years studying in an actual standardized institution, which is in India. And you know, so in the US, in the US we're still developing that. And, as, and in the US, is more of the new age aspect mm -hmm. of it, not so much the classical. Um, and it's just developing it more and more. And the end goal is still to help people. <laughs> right, yeah. But to do it properly and to mm -hmm. do it successfully and to increase your positive outcomes, which is like optimal health. So if people come in with something, how to bring them closer to that range of health within themselves. Mm -hmm. And whether they're from Alaska or from Australia or from India, like not to use Ayurveda and get stuck in like, people have to do kitchari, which is like an Ayurvedic common meal. Mm -hmm most people outside of India that haven't had exposure to those two kinds of like substances of basmati and mangdal, it's not appropriate for them. <laughs> that makes sense. Like Ayurveda is not Indian. It's a science. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it applied to the subcontinent of India, but the principles were meant to be used in the scientific way to who and where they were in their locale mm -hmm. and how to use the local medicine as the medicine which goes into this other category of all this like importing herbs from other countries and you know um, compromising the sustain sustainability of those herbs because now you're having this continent that's self-sustaining self to the care of its own people and you're taking it, outsourcing it to all these other countries, you're gonna deplete those resources of plants and the botanicals. And then it's like, we no longer have access to frankincense and sandalwood like we did 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it's been outsourced so much and it depletes. And it's, you know, sandalwood's not naturally growing in Northern PA, <laughs> right? So what's the thing that's close to the sandalwood that will have that similar effect so that we don't have to compromise another country for our own well-being, right? You take the science and you bring it to the local area. So you don't create all these Ayurvedic cookbooks that have most of these Indian recipes and say, everyone should be doing these kind of Indian recipes for their health and vitality. No, that's incorrect. Because if you have someone that's Norwegian and they're eating Indian food all the time, it's not correct for their physiology. You're going to create an imbalance and that's mm. going to cultivate a disease pattern because it's not natural to that person. It's so interesting. So it's like you're using what your genetics knows, what your locale knows, what your geography knows. It's okay to go eat out Mexican food once in a while. Sure, we're but, doing that after this. <laughs> yeah, but you would eat Mexican every day and be like, well, I know Mexican food is the best healthy food. I'm just gonna make that my lifestyle now. That's not appropriate for you. Right. You know, so it's, it's so that's why it's it's deep. It's really deep. and and. You can tell like who's studying the depths of Ayurveda to really seeing the science versus like, no, everyone should do kitchari. 
Right. It's like, oh my God, everyone should not be doing kitchery, which is... But I remember, though, back in the day. I know, I know. And, I, you know, and again, like, I've been saying this, so we're all on, you know, a different wave of enlightenment or evolution <laughs> or whatever. But, it, you know, and the more we learn, obviously, the more we know. But... I remember that time so well where I was like everyone's doing kitchen there's still a lot of yoga studios that put people on detoxes for the spring detox and everyone's doing a 30 day kitchen cleanse and I'm like oh my god what are you doing plus it's also cultural appropriation you're taking someone else's culture and you're saying you're gonna make all these people that go to these yoga studios do this culturally appropriated thing Mm -hmm. there's no one size fits all like it's it's, what would be an American version of a kitchery-ish dish. I mean, what kind you of grains? Do you think we have one? No, because it's, you know, because it's not cultural for everyone to have rice and beans. Right. Right. Like I'm Italian. We don't, we have some beans, but we don't have rice like that. Like it's imported Italy doesn't have rice fields. Right. So pastas and grains, like different kinds of grains and different right. kinds of vegetables. So like you have to really see like what your culture and someone just asked me, well, what if you don't know what your culture is or you're multicultured, right? Mm-hmm. Then to some degree, it's possible you could have some from those different cultures in your physiology. But also remember where are you living now? You're in the American culture. So if you're living in New York City and you were born and raised there and you have like three generations Irish and two generations German in you and four generations this and four that, you're still in New York. And what's in New York? What's in that season? What's in that climate, you know, that temperate zone or not temperate zone? Like you're looking at all those things to factor in what's appropriate for that person in that area. So interesting. No one size fits all. Not at all. (laughs) Have you, are you familiar with epigenetics? Yes. So a couple weeks ago, I had a gentleman on, David Krantz, who is in the epigenetics world. And as he was explaining to me, I was like, it sounds a lot like Ayurveda. <laughs> like you're really looking at like, this is the makeup of the person. Mm-hmm. And this is what you should be doing mm-hmm. based on your, instead of calling it your dosha mm-hmm. constitution, mm-hmm. you should do this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I, it was interesting, like, having that talk. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, it's so, it's so, it's like very, like, present day, mm-hmm. more technology involved. Ayurveda, mm-hmm. like, really in depth, looking at what's happening inside mm-hmm. so you know what to put inside. Yeah. So well, you can optimally perform. Yeah. Well, in Ayurveda, it's like, as you're studying the science as an actual science, like, you're exposed to meteorology and you're exposed to um, physics and you're exposed to like, so it's, you know, just so many different sciences. Like it's all the different sciences come together, creating the bigger picture and understanding like, you know, the law of energy, right? Mm-hmm. And knowing, just knowing all those pieces creating one bigger picture. And so it makes sense that epigenetics would be part of that. It's understanding that level of consciousness. Mm-hmm to that cellular degree of like that sort of refined, fine, 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 like database in the genetics, <laughs> you know, cause also in epigenetics, one of the main questions is knowing what your genetic predispositions are and what activates the genes, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what they're still working on. And in Ayurveda, which is where the bridge could be as a possibility, the proper science has to be done to really create this crossing of the bridge. But 
it's almost possible to say in Ayurveda diet and lifestyle will decide what genes get turned on and turned off. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's a smaller picture of like, sometimes you're still prone to getting something because it's part of your, let's say, spiritual journey. So you're mm -hmm. meant to have this thing. You know, I've had people come to me and say like, oh, I was vegetarian for 40 years and I have cancer and I eat really healthy. I'm like, well, how are you eating vegetarian? And if it really was really healthy and you were still meant to get that cancer, then that was part of the picture that you came into mm -hmm. with this life to see how it's going to manifest as part of your journey. Yeah. And, you know, because you're still consciousness, you're just consciousness in that form that was vegetarian that has a cancer. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's all. No death sentence unless you believe it's a death sentence and how you take that information. So it's all information. So epigenetics is a science, Ayurveda is a science, and you're knowing the scientific applications of things. And, you know, when we talk about the doshas, you know, it's become very new age. You're like, oh my God, you're so vata. Like, I, you know, I remember being that newbie with Ayurveda. I was like, oh my God, you're so vata. You know, but it's like... I remember that guy too. <laughs> but it's like, but really, if you're smart in the science and know, like, what does that really mean is... You look up Vata in the classical text and you'll get volumes of like what it means as far as the characteristics, the tendencies, and the predispositions of Vata. Like it really means a lot. So when I'm saying like, what's your dosha? It's like, what's your combination of, you know, we'll, we'll say the five elements. And how does that manifest in your physiology? Because that's where you actually see it, when you can actually feel it in your body, what's fiery, what's cold, what's wet, what's dry. Like you're talking in a language that seems symbolic, but it's actually scientifically rooted. Mm -hmm. And you can find these things throughout the body because they're right there. <laughs> and how do you know it works? Because when you start adapting the principles and living the lifestyle, you start to see the cause and effect relationship. So it's right there. So even when people come to see me, I know all this stuff works. I've been living it for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. So when I start sharing some of these tools and you start implementing them in your lifestyle and you start seeing some of the changes, you're therefore validating the science of it in your own experience. Like, and it's right there. The proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. You're the second person to say that to me today. The proof is in the pudding. Well, yet another super fast hour. <laughs> um, and that's what happens when you're present. Time goes mm. super fast. So before we wrap things up, you got anything going on? Where can people find you? What's happening? Um, I mean, still my website. Mm -hmm. and um, Any workshops or I'm anything? Little, workshop, little things going yeah, on? I'm teaching a workshop in this month. I think it's February 28th. It's a Friday. Um, it's actually about Ayurveda and motherhood and healthy motherhood and how to prepare for motherhood. Nice. And I think it's a two hour workshop. Where's um, that? It's at, um, oh my God, why? Uh, Yoga Brain. Yoga Brain. Yes. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yoga Brain in East Falls. I teach there on Wednesday nights. If you all want to come do some Kundalini yoga with me, double plug for Yoga Brain. Yeah. That's awesome. Find it on my website. It's under the events section and it's, um, still point Ayurveda. So you just go there and you find events and you can see upcoming events. Awesome. Yeah, and I think and that, that's pretty much it. Otherwise, I'm just seeing clients and everything else. <laughs> All right. So for everybody listening, Antonio will be back on again because we have fun conversations about all <laughs> kinds of things. And since it is such a vast world that you work in, you know, I'm sure we can have 
hours and hours and hours of yeah. conversations. <laughs> so thank you again for coming and hanging out with, with Stella and I. For everyone that's listening, go check out Antonio. Make an appointment. Go get a consultation. See what's up. Let him look at your tongue. <laughs> yeah. And I'll ask you about poop. I mean, yeah. Because <laughs> poop happens like, that's, sometimes. That's the best thing. Aren't you pooping? Um, yeah. <laughs> and again, another funny thing, because my friend Amy that was here, she had to go do a talk about poop and stuff. So, poop and the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> everybody poops. Sometimes. Sometimes. Not everybody. <laughs> Most people poop. Eventually. Eventually you'll poop. Um, so, on the topic of poop, we are going to go have some Mexican food now. Yeah. <laughs> so, thank you all for uh, being here, for listening. I appreciate everyone. Antonio, thank you. Thank you. Again. And have a great day, night, week, whatever mm -hmm. it is that you're actually listening to this. Mm -hmm. Have a beautiful one. <laughs>